morning, good evening, and good night. Welcome to another episode of Doing Business in the Bahamas. This episode, this is episode number nine. And just want to let you know we are sponsored by Bahamas Cannon Soap. And thank you for tuning into this informative podcast. Today on the podcast, we are actually in a business establishment. We are here with two persons. I'm going to mention their names. You may know them or you may not know them, but we're going to find out right now. We have here... Um, can you mention your names to me? Say your full names. See if anyone know, know who you guys are. Uh, yes, certainly. Good morning. I am Aaron Ineas, uh co-owner of Chick Johnny Farms. Hi, good morning, good evening, good night. I am Shavara Ineas, Chick Johnny Farms. Chick Johnny Farms, that is awesome. So you guys, once you heard that part, you know exactly who I'm talking to. So we're here at the Chick Johnny Farms here on, uh, what's the name of this road? Can you think of where you guys are? 153 Mount Royal Avenue. We are opposite the Little Mustard Seed Cafe. It's a popular vegan restaurant, and we are located in the yellow and white building that's uh, right across the street from there, 153 Mount Royal Avenue. You can always call us on social media or contact us uh, online for questions or comments or any concerns pertaining to our products and our goods that we have available. Good, good, good. So, a lot of you guys may not know this, but Bahamas and Candle and Soap, Bahamas Candle and Soap would not be in business if it wasn't for this lady in front of me right now. Um, I think it was about a little over three years ago, um, I saw a flyer come on Facebook said to make soaps and candles. And they said, hey, that sounds interesting. Like everyone else, they always decided, you know what, this sounds like something I would like to do and I wanted to do it. And... Um, the problem was when you guys had it the first time, I missed it twice. So I remember messaging you and said, you know what, um, when is your next class? And it just so happened that your class was on my wife's birthday. So I had to make a decision. Okay, um, how am I going to do this? So I told her, I said, hey, would you like to learn how to make candle and soaps? She's like, yeah, that's all interesting. Awesome. So on her birthday, we came to your class right there off Blake Road. And we took this candle and soap class, and we, we really enjoyed it. And from then, um, as you can see, we decided to do Bahamas Candle and Soap. We really loved it. It's very addictive. So because you gave your knowledge to us, we felt as if it doesn't make sense holding it to ourselves. So we also started to teach other persons how to do the same thing. We just passing on what we learned from you. Right. So, And from then, I've seen your company grow. I know you were talking at the time about the farm and Andres and you guys trying to get a few things. And even back then, you were saying you're going to open up the store. And here we are in the store. What's your story? Tell, tell me what's happened. How did, how did Chick Chani Farms actually get started? Wow. Thank you for taking me back down memory lane. And of course, how we met. I remember that day, you know, when you came in and you were celebrating the birthday of your wife. And I've looked at what you've done. And we've had conversations as well, um, you know, just in small encouragement, just to say, hey, keep going. And I do believe that passing on a knowledge is important. And I do that. I do believe that that is also important for growth. The more you give, the more you receive. Right, right. And so that is just a basic principle, you know, for success. And lots of people don't realize that. Um, but you met, you asked, you know, what is the story of Chick Chani Farms? I must tell you, it is a very interesting one. <laughs> um, and Aaron is here and he can share a lot as well because he was here from the beginning, from, right. s- from step one to where we are today. And of course, it is a continuous journey, you know, but I do believe that a lot of people are, are, um, 
are afraid to take the leap. And that's what I did in 2010. I remember I was working, you know, for the Bahamas government at that time. I will not name the place <laughs> I was employed. However, um, you know, I felt really like I was empty. Like, what is my life purpose and what, is, what it was that I wanted to establish um, at this point in my life? And what I was doing at the time was really not fulfilling my purpose, I felt. Um, and so I remember I really, like, lots of people, you know, they do yoga or they do whatever, you know, right. get themselves relaxed. But I prayed that day and I remember while in prayer you know something came to me and said um the farm like use what is in your hands and the only thing I could think about was the farm at the time and I thought well you know what I this was something that I ran away from something that I really did not like doing growing (laughs) up as a child because we were forced to go you know put in the work before we even went to school growing up in Andros yeah and when I heard the farm I was like um uh let me see what this is responding to me you know (laughs) in my time of prayer but um at that moment, I think, you know, it really triggered something in me because I wanted to fulfill what was my life purpose at that time. And I really knew that what I, the path that I was on was not the right path for me. And that day I changed my entire path for my life and awesome. my perspective for my life and created Chick Chani Farms because I, I it was the farm and I wanted something that was synonymous to Andros. Right. And I came up with the name. And of course, the legend. Um, I know the legend of Chick Chani. It was something shared. You know, if you grew up in Andros, everybody knew what, what, what the, the Chick Chani was. Right. Okay. So I wanted something that people could identify with. And I came up with the name Chick Chani Farms. <laughs> so that's 2010 that you actually made the decision. So you were still working. When you started this business, absolutely, I worked in talent for another three years. So I, I finally took the leap that leap that we spoke about earlier. Right. Um, I took that leap in 2013. I was a new mom. Baby was only five months old. Oh my! A new oh wife my. was only like. <laughs> I wasn't even a wife yet. I was preparing to be a new wife. Like <laughs> I was in preparation because we got married like one month after starting the business, but right. we had a baby. Yeah. So we did like really crazy things. We had a baby. We started a business. We got married. That's like three crazy things all at once, once right? One time. Exactly. <laughs> and we did that. And so I remember, you know, doing that in 2014, I resigned from that job after putting in 11 years and started, you know, this company and really put in the work, like started working like, okay, this is your, this is now your full-time job. Job. Right. It's not your side hustle anymore, Shavara. You got to go there and do this. Yeah. Oh, man, know, that's, right? <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> like, it's difficult enough just trying to start a business on your own. Um, having a, a full-time job and doing a business is difficult. Full-time job, then you decided to leave that, and now you're getting married with a child and doing a business. Time. New Time. business. Something that no one even knows about. So you're right. starting at ground zero, which meant that, you know, you have to tell a story. Yes. So for three years, basically, from starting the business, I felt like we were sharing our story, sharing our vision with people. Right, And really, right. you know, giving them an inside look as to what our goals were. Because we were just starting, like, at the beginning. And, and um, I remember we would go to homes and we would, you know, introduce ourselves. I had a belly in the front of me, you know. <laughs> so people were like, wow, you know, an Aaron would walk alongside me to deliver the boxes but we had to sell our company yeah. we would show up and we would meet our clients with their dogs you know we get to know them their family and of course they trusted us they, they allow us to come into their homes they allow us to deliver fresh produce to them right. we started our company delivering 
very small um, $25 boxes. And I have to tell you the story behind this because even though we knew that we wanted to start this company and this company was on paper, Erin and I didn't have the first dollar to start, to start this company. Yeah. But I had an aunt that I called and I say, hey, Addy, how you doing? Listen, I need your help with something. And my aunt loaned us a small, very small loan. And that small $200 loan right. was what we needed to buy our first set of inventory because <laughs> it was an off season, so nothing was growing. Right. So we bought our first set of local inventory inventory to start the company and of course we we had just sat down with the hotel and we figured that they would buy you know everything that we had but when we looked around our living room floor was covered with produce and we thought wow what are we going to do with this yeah i had a facebook page it had 21 followers <laughs> and i said you know what i'm just gonna post hey guys i have this these vegetables luckily a friend of mine who was a lawyer and it still is a lawyer today she saw the post and she said well shivara i want to get some stuff and she came to my store i was in another business at the time i was right. selling clothing okay she came to my store and pick up produce at a clothing store that was a perfect transition by the way <laughs> um and she posted it on her facebook page and told her other lawyer friends and that began our 25 dollar produce boxes delivery produce delivery boxes. yes Okay, that's a lot to get back into. But before we get into that, Aaron, is your story the same way? Because usually people see things differently. <laughs> Did you see it the same way? Well, uh, yeah, we were, you know, I uh, I lived abroad and uh, being a professional basketball player, but I grew up in Bantown in Ada City. And uh, my father always was into farming, so. Right. I was kind of familiar with the, you know, the simple stuff like the peppers and the sweet potatoes and stuff like that. And at that time, you know, I was, as she was telling me more and more about the farm and about the story and the business and everything, I was like, hey, you know, I just had an open mind to it. I said, why not? Right. I, said, I don't have a problem with it. And, you know, she probably was surprised. And we said the $25 boxes and we came to, you know, came into agreement that we should, you know, pursue this. Because I say, yeah, you know, I said... Me knowing that a lot of the stuff is imported and uh, of subpar quality, and I said, you know, why wouldn't people want to be open to to purchase this? Especially yeah. in hotels and different uh, different uh, establishments, they would be open to purchasing our stuff. So we went ahead and did it. But of course, you know, it didn't work out exactly <laughs> as planned. Uh, <clears throat> and along the way, we just kept on adjusting, and you know, we would share it with our friends and. Uh, one of my, one of my good friends, he started purchasing them and he started sharing them on his Facebook page. And then after that, you know, we just took off from Facebook. But Aaron, I think it's important that you let, um, the audience know that, you know, you basically had no experience. You got missed this interesting yes. part. Like, I wanted to ask him, like, you know, I wanted to share this because <laughs> this is important because I remember when Aaron wanted to plant seeds, he'd always call me, Shavara, can you please see if I'm planting this correctly? The right way. Now, I came from the farming family. Right, right. He was playing professional basketball, so I want him to share with the audience, you know, like basically that what transition. he did over, yeah, like how did he transition into, like right now, he doesn't need me to oversee him planting anything. He could handle it on his own, but I think it's important for people to know, like, what, like why did you see, what did you see that was different and what made you, you know, what attracted you to doing what it is yeah. that you do now? Of because, course, and he puts like a hundred and 50 percent you know in this now so because that see when people talk i pick up on a lot of things right um so i'm understanding your background is basketball so you're used to going on the, on the basketball uh court and you run drills you work as a team and you have to you say you put 150 percent in so you transition that into the business and this is why i'm really concerned because when she tells you baby i'm pregnant and then come back and say hey let's start this business like 
what was going through your mind? <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going through my mind, but <clears throat> me as an individual, I always had an open mind, and I was saying, like, you know, this could be something that we could transform into, that this could really be a uh, career for us, you know? Right. Uh, you know, when I came back, I had job opportunities, but even as being an educated Bahamian and coming back here to the Bahamas, the opportunities wasn't open up like I thought it would. Oh, boy. So, you know, oh, so boy. we have a lot of experience in Bahamas, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't quit. I kept open mind, and I say, hey, you know, I know that uh, we had this 40-acre farm. We had additional farmland. I know about the incentives to the government to give crown. Right. So I said, you know, if we uh, will all work together, as a family and incorporate everybody into it, this could really be successful. And like I said, uh, of course, it didn't work out that way, but we continue to grow and grow. And I just continue to learn as much as possible from planting, mm-hmm. what to plant at a certain time. And I educated myself. Too endless I was, hours on YouTube. Yes, I was endless. interested in it. I was so like, hey, you know, <laughs> we have the smartphone here. Why not put it to use? So yeah. I would sit down and I'll watch videos on different stuff to grow. And I couldn't and let him get ahead of me. Compost <laughs> So, you know, I just, I so just, I watched uh, those videos you know, with him. Right. I just tried to educate myself as this was a business that we both were looking to get into. And we're still educating ourselves every year. And I mean, at this phase of going on for six years of the business and it's consistently grown, we still, every day, sometime late at nights, we are watching videos or reading up on articles and seeing what's trending or right. stuff that we could grow that can be easily acclimated to our climate. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. So <laughs> what people always forget is that point that there's always a learning curve no matter what. Either learning your product and service, learning how to market and advertise, learning the finances. There was a learning curve. Because so many people look at you now and say, oh, you guys just pop up from like a year ago. But you're saying from 2010. This is now 2019. That's a long time. It is a long time. It's been a long time because, okay, the dream was birthed in me in 2010. We never really started doing business until 2013. You know, my grandmother and I would always do little projects. Like, I'll send her some money and say, Grammy, plant this crop. And if it comes, that for you, you know. And um, we would always do that little stuff. But I I watched my grandmother did exactly what we do today. Like, I watched her do that for, like, over 20 years of my life, just delivering produce um, or shipping stuff on the mail Ah, to family and friends. And I was like, you know what? I... I was like, that's an opportunity. And I had a friend of mine that always told me, Shivara, never look for the money, look for the opportunity. And that's ah. one thing that stayed with me because if you have the perfect opportunity, that will then equate to money. Yeah. See, I, I do believe that a lot of persons, especially now that we are operating from our storefront, um, lots of persons think that we are a new building. Okay, I'm a new business, I'm sorry. But we have been operating as a business for five and a half years. Right. Let me tell you, learning curve. <laughs> we have gone through lots of learning. And, and you know, lots of people say you don't really make biz- money in business until after your fourth or fifth year. Right. And I can attest to that as being true. Because what we were learning, we were learning marketing. How do you reach the people that you want to reach, your target market, to be able to sell your product, you know, after you would have grown your product. And then again, um, Building that trust and building relationships with clients. Going Over to their time. Home, going yes. to their yachts. Yes. Um, even in conversation, how do you answer your phone? You know, what kind of customer service are you giving? What if they don't know anything about you at all, but they were recommended by a friend? Most persons will take the recommendation of a friend, yes. But when you show up 
to deliver are you deli- are you meeting their expectation yes you know so that <laughs> i'm talking about learning we and as aaron said we are still learning today that's yeah. what we're learning being operating a retail space is totally different than packing up a box and showing up to somebody so i can tell you you know because everything from new customers everything from inventory control everything for pricing um everything for um Mar- like where you are in the market, where you're located, right. who your market reaches is right. a lot. Advertising, um, marketing, uh, signs and things that people want to read. Like you may take it for granted because you know what is in your product. But someone who totally don't know anything about your product, anything they about lost. soap and candle, when they pick up your soap, they need information. Exactly. So it may be only a small snapshot or a small time frame that you get to give them this information. Maybe that one, two minute that they may read over or if you're doing a, a, a visual advertisement, you give get to give them about your product. So all of these things are learning, you know, within the first one to four years. Honestly, if most persons go into business and say, yes, I'm going to be rich tomorrow, that is a dream that will be <laughs> short-lived because... That, listen, you have to, there's no blueprint for any business. You have Never. to create it yes. yourself. And the only way to create it is doing it yourself daily and being involved in the business. Exactly. Wow, that's, you said a whole lot there. And that is so true with, with, with so many different things. You know, you have to, day in and day out, you know, people say, oh, I want to get in this business because I want to be my own boss. I don't need no one telling me to do so I can chill out and relax and I don't have to do anything. Um but the problem is with that is that people don't realize, like you say, this you're going to work twice as hard um, than you did on your job. You're going to work three times as hard than everyone else around you. You know, sleepless nights, early mornings, moving, moving in and out, in and out, in and out. So And don't have young children like us. See, see this is the point. This is why I'm trying to figure out how did you handle this because the baby's crying, baby oh needs God. to be fed, you know. I just became an octopus. I could tell you I must have used hands. Or, I mean, I must have used my fingers, all 10 of my fingers, all 10 of my toes because, listen, it was a lot from answering emails, breastfeeding, all of this stuff all at once, you know, answering the phone. Sometimes yeah. you're on an email and the phone rings and the baby crying and I'm like, um, the baby. and the thing is, honestly, when you build good relationships with your client, they understand everything. What's going on? They yeah. understand, okay, you just had a baby because people would call me and say, hi, Shavara, how are you feeling? Are you recovering okay? After the baby, I said, do you hear her crying? Just give me a moment. Let me put a bottle in her mouth or something and they would be totally fine with that, you know? Right. And honestly, it's very important. I would encourage entrepreneurs when you're starting a business and building a business, build a relationship first. Right. Build a relationship first. Look for the opportunity. Build a relationship first because that relationship will then... You know, people will be more understanding, more compassionate. They understand your situation. They would even offer you to. They would even offer you help. But how can yeah. I help you accomplish this goal or yeah. the goal that you're trying to do? How can I make this easier for you? Can I come to you? Can I meet you halfway? That kind of thing. And when you build relationship, you know, you ain't strangers no more. Exactly. You know, exactly. We're friends now. You know, right. we build that relationship. We've crossed that barrier of strangers, and now we engage with each other, and so it becomes communication becomes much easier. Or you know. Between you and the other individual. Exactly. That makes so much sense that way. Build a relationship first. So it's people first. No matter what, it's always people first. Yes, sir. Always. Let's go back then. 2013. So Mm -hmm. you guys finally kicked off your business. Um, You had some produce. You bought your first produce and you sell your first box. So that was pretty much your first product was doing the box, the uh, the delivery. What, what, how did you grow from there? How did you manage? your funds how did you manage to say you know what we have to replace this we have to do something else with this what was your next move how do you how did you grow 
Okay, so let me. Well, growth really came through the demand of our customers. Right. You'd realize in business, um, persons would start to ask you. You have to pay attention yeah. because they would start to ask you, "Well, do you have this or do you offer this service?" That's note-taking time. Okay. Right. So you're always, like I said, you're always learning because mm-hmm. people will come to you and ask you. Like we saw the growth. Persons were asking us for produce. Okay, but when there was no produce. What was available? Lots of seasonal fruit. So we transform and we, we made sure in, to inform our customers and let them know that we are a seasonal store. The fact that we are local, we only have what is available and in season. Right. Okay? Makes and sense. So that was, we had to educate our customers. And so once we transitioned from fall to summer, where we would only have summer fruit, we would say, hey, we only have summer fruit, very limited vegetables. Mm-hmm. Are you interested? And then we saw an, another opportunity. We saw, um, in, as opposed to wastage for stuff that we could not sell. I remember my grandmother growing up as a little girl, being the oldest grandchild of 37. What? Yes. I remember my <laughs> grandmother, you know, when you're the first, first, you're really small, yeah, right? Yeah. Anyway, and they take a little bit more time with you. You, you know, everybody takes care of you. Right. So my grandmother, I was really, you know, connected. And thank God she's still alive to my grandmother who taught me absolutely everything. I would be on her quote unquote gown tail, like the Bohemians say. When she go outside to cook a pot of rice or you know, boil some jam or go in the bush to get some bush medicine. I right, you was there. Right along with her. Mm. I didn't know that that was my training ground. Exactly. For where I am today. I didn't have a clue that these things were being embedded in my mind for me to have to regurgitate them 20, 30, 20 years later or 30 years later. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, that was my training ground. Then I, I saw that, okay, well, I'm not going to let anything go to waste. Because when you would have grown something, you never understand the value of something until you have to grow it yourself. Right. So if you were to plant a tomato in your backyard and they would turn ripe and you see one snail on your tomato. Boy, you I, know, live it. I know. I know. I know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Just talking about tomatoes right now. Just, just to go on the side because I started to grow some tomatoes. And not knowing much about farming like you. I saw this this green worm on it. I'm like, what is this thing? Oh, yeah. You know, then I see my leaves start disappearing. I'm like, hold on. Something's eating up my stuff. So I had to do a quick research online. I forgot what it was. It was a, uh, the the larvae form of a moth. Yeah. Man, I pulled the thing off so quickly because it started to eat everything. It will eat everything so, overnight. It'll be disappearing. You'll only have like yes. six when you reach That's back. exactly yeah. what was happening. I said, you know what? I'll give it some time to see what happens. I, I'm saying, oh, it's probably a butterfly. I'm like, I don't know. But I said, I don't know if butterflies eat this type of plant. But man, like, no joke. It really hurt me to see my plant to go from that lush green leafy and then one half is like completely stripped. I say, okay, learn that one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you do you do appreciate it when you actually start you um, grow it growing it yourself. Yes. And <laughs> so you know, I realized that okay, when we grew stuff, and we couldn't sell it initially because remember we were a new company, you right? Know, so of course, I have some more than we can that we had a demand for. So I realized that okay, I have another opportunity here. We started making our jams and sauces and good, good. that my grandmother taught me how to do, and I I never understood why she would be making all this stuff. But then you know when I 
got in business and realized that I had a surplus. Right. What am I going to do with this surplus? We started turning that into value-added product, and we realized that that is also something that is trending. People, and let's just say your son is away at school in Canada, but he wants guava jam, and it's not guava. They, they don't even have guava trees in Canada. That's true. And yeah. you take that guava to him in a jar or send it away with him to school or whatever, he can still be reminded of the flavors and the taste that he have at home though he's not here and so value added stuff started trending and we and thank god i i knew how to make them all you know <laughs> thank god for those little cottage industry grandmothers <laughs> uh so the, so the lesson here is that you say use what you have like you said you prayed and you got it you know farm use yeah. what you have use already what is in your hand. sometimes if you have the knowledge just need to look on on a way to take that knowledge and transform it into a way to make money and like you say again Use um, relationships first. Always put people first and make sure that these things are good, which makes us a whole lot. Like this is a lesson in, in itself. You know, this is a lesson in, in doing business here by itself, trying to get things off the ground here in the Bahamas, because you have to actually find a way to make things. So you had that early, early, early on training with your grandmother, which I know a lot of people do have that. We take it for granted. Um, you might have been to the point where sometimes you, you're in the, the yard and you're cleaning the yard or, you know, just, uh, cleaning the house or different things like that. These skills that you learn in the home, because now I, I found that there are businesses, landscaping business are taking off. You find that there are now, um, laundry services that people do. They come and eat an iron for you, clean your windows and things like that. There's so many different things. And these are skills that you learn as a child. People who cook, um, didn't necessarily go off to school, but they're, like you say, the Grammy or someone took them in and showed them how to cook, how to make the food, you know, especially like, uh, peas and rice, um, making, uh, crab and rice, different things like that. And now they have a little small business just that way, using what you have, using the skills that you have. So I think a lot of persons need to pay attention to that part. But now let's, let's, let's try to dive a little bit deeper into this business now. So check Chinese farms. First of all, I love the name. It's very unique. And it says a lot because the minute you hear the word Chick Chani, you know off the top this has something to do with Andrus. So you use your heritage from Andrus. You use the name. And, of course, the whole myth behind it. And for you millennials or persons who may not know about Chick Chani, uh, Chick Chani is a mythical creature. Do you know, Can you tell me a bit more? What is the Chick Chani? Because people might see the name and not know the stories because we, we have a habit of uh, not always – Telling our our younger people, the next generation, what uh, Chick Chani really is, and this is a this is just one of a few myths that has come up throughout the Bahamas. There are others, and Andrus is actually one of the biggest things. So tell us a little bit about the Chick Chani. Okay, so the legend of the Chick Chani. There's like several there's several versions, but I'm gonna tell you the one that we use and that we teach people when they do our tours here at the store. It says the Chikchani is a legendary creature in folklore of Andros Island in the Bahamas. It is said to live in the forest. It is furry or feathered and about three feet tall, with an ugly appearance resembling an owl. In common legend, if a traveler meets a Chikchani and treats it well, they will be rewarded with good luck. While treating a Chikchani badly will result in bad luck and hard times. Sightings have continued into the present and it's said that the birds make their nests by bringing several pine trees together and making their nests in the middle. Several of these tree formations have been sighted. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's very interesting because that's very, very interesting. You kind of went deeper than what I actually knew it was because <laughs> um, I just knew it was some mythical creature that used to be in the forest. That's all I knew. But you took it to the next level, which is really awesome. Yes. So, and my grandmother would have an, a very interesting one. She says, if you run it, like if you run into a chick chani, if you're ever hiking or in the woods or whatever, and you run into a chick chani and you laugh at a chick chani. So there's several versions. It depends on right, right. where you were in Andrus, where you grew up, that kind of thing from um, settlement to settlement. I'm sure that the story changes. Right. Like when you tell, like if you start a Chinese proverb, you start with one thing and by the time it gets to the other end, it changes it's a whole a bit other more. thing. Yeah. yeah. So she said, if you're in the forest or, hunt, or camping or hunting or whatever, you run into a chick chani and you laugh at it, your head will turn around the other way. Oh, <laughs> Can you imagine? There's like several crazy like uh, stuff regarding the chick charming. Yeah. But like, as you mentioned, when I thought of the name, I wanted something that was synonymous to Andros, you know, something that people would recognize right away, you know? And I, I went through so many variations of the spelling and I just wanted something that was unique. And I said, okay, when people hear chick charming, immediately they, you know, they say Andros. When people, they say, is this chick charming farms? And I said, yeah, y'all Andrus, yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, our farmers and Andros, yeah. Wow, that's a really, that's a really good choice of the name. That's really awesome. So, Aaron, I want to get a bit more on your background because you said you're a basketball player. Um, tell me more about you. Like, what is it that you did um, as a basketball player? Where, where did you play? What did you do? What was your? Where did you? Where were you born? Where you grew up? How did you get in the United States? And how did you even get up in basketball? How did that work out? Well, I. Uh... <clears throat> Grew up in the in the city in Baintown, and you know my uh, well, we didn't have much athletes in the family, but we were right. tall. So uh, as I get as I grew and grew taller, I <laughs> uh, when I was at CC Sweeting, and I think I was in the tenth grade, and one summer I think I grew about eight inches. Wow! So the uh, I was always interested in basketball, but I wasn't like you know. In my opinion, I never thought that hey, I could go abroad and play college basketball. And, right. You know, my uh, coach at the time uh, was telling me, you know, that after he saw me playing and see I was where he committed, he said, that, "Hey, you know, you can go abroad and play Division One college ball." So, right. you know, I blow it off. I say, "Hey, it'll be something I'll do," because all of my friends do it, and as it was popular in the community yeah. on Christie Park, you know, we yeah. had a lot yeah. of tournaments. Yes. And, you know, I sure a lot of people remember back in the day. And my coaches are uh, Mario and Goose, just, you know, some of the guys from the neighborhood. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we had summer programs also. So, you know, they, along with training and commitment and stuff and along, you know, working with uh, coaches such as uh, Rodney Farkerson and Trevor uh, Grant and Rodney McQuay, you know, just to name a few, uh, Froggy and uh, uh, Goose Tyrone Curry. You know, these guys helped me get to the point to where, you know, to realize my goal and my potential. And, you know, I was able to go abroad and go to high school mm -hmm. in the United States for one year. Okay. You know, so <clears throat> uh, enough respect to the coaches, you know, who took a chance at me. Of course, my coach over there, Coach uh, Donnie Tooley, he gave mm -hmm. me the opportunity. We went over there along with Trevor Grant. And, you know, some of the guys from the uh, SC McPherson team right. back in the day. You know, this is back in 1997. Okay, okay. okay. You know, there were very limited opportunities for Bahamians to right. go abroad and play basketball. You know, not as much as right. they are today. But, uh, you know, we went over there and we excelled. We played in a 
top-notch tournament, and we, <laughs> you know, the Bahamians, we were very athletic. Yes. Know? We are known for athleticism worldwide, you know, and we just dominated everybody. So I think off of the team that went abroad, probably about five guys got scholarships to go abroad, you know. There we go. And that's a good thing. And nowadays, now I really don't see none of the guys, but I know – from five of them who went abroad, you know, more importantly, uh, a lot of them were able to obtain uh, bachelor's degrees. You know? Good. That's even yeah. better. Yeah. Yes. That's even better, you know, that they use their talents yes. to excel and move abroad and, you know, do something. And some of them came back home and some of them stayed up there. So more than anything about basketball, they're able to obtain a free education, of course, a college degree. And uh, I didn't stop there. Afterwards, I played, played basketball, played in Oklahoma. Went out there in the, awesome. in the country. Uh-huh. You know? yeah. It was a big uh, adjustment, you know, to come right. from. Now I saw Bahamas being in town to go to uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, yeah. and playing in high school basketball. But I adapted, of course, you know, with the weather and everything else. And, uh, you know, from there I went to junior college. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. I was out in the, basically, you say, like on the family islands, like the southern islands. So, right. You know, I just feel like I was in. Ragged Island. Ragged <laughs> Island without the beaches and the water, just a lot of bushing, you know. Cold weather, you know, that's but us and colds don't really yeah. go too well, but, yeah. but you made it. But I made it, you know, I had to make it. I didn't have no other choice. You know? right. I never uh wanted to disappoint the persons and the coaches and the people that believe in me. Give it an opportunity. Course, you know, give it an opportunity. I'm ever thankful and grateful to them. And uh of course, you know, you always want to be excelled, you know, as uh back then we have very, very few opportunities, so I excelled and though went on to play in college ball. Good. Uh, then that didn't work out. Then transferred to another college. Right. Still was committed after injury and uh, got all American honors. Awesome. But also know you know got chosen as one of the top players in the country. Right. The first team and you know we still have plaques and memories up today of that. So that's a was a pretty big accomplishment for me. But more importantly, overall, I was able to attain a college degree. A bachelor's degree, absolutely awesome. free, awesome. which uh, is a bachelor's degree in criminal justice that okay. I obtained from Oklahoma City University. And from there, I went aboard and played uh, professional basketball. Mm. Played 12 years representing the Bahamas all really? over the world, <laughs> from the Middle East to Asia to, I basically went wherever, Europe, Eastern Europe. All over places. I can't even like name all the top of the, play- the places I've played right off the top of my head. But you know, importantly, right. you know, I got a chance, uh, opportunity to travel the world and open up my mind. Hence, I have a very exactly. open mind today, exactly. and I look at things with a different perspective. So, it's definitely been a blessing. So, when mm-hmm. my wife is talking about farming, you know, I know some people nowadays they'll think that farming is for, you know, uh, <clears throat> something that you know somebody of low education or somebody right, really poor right. would do. But you know. Majority of the wealthy people in the world are farmers and stuff. Exactly. You know, they farming cattle or fruits or, you know, strawberries or nuts or almonds or even grapes or vines. You know, they are considered farmers and, you know, some of the most wealthier people are in the world are farmers. So, with that being said, I always had an open mind and uh, we bounce ideas off each other and we just continue to grow and grow and excel. And our main objective is, you know, to... Feeding the Bahamas, you know, keeping our people healthy, giving them good quality products, good quality products and food, and right. just keep on moving on and excelling as we go as we're continuously building this company. So, so when you came back, how did you transition? How was it for you when you transitioned from 
okay, being being abroad, playing basketball all over the world, pretty much, and now you're back in the Bahamas. What? How was that? I'm still in transition because uh, <laughs> it's, it was hard to. It's it was adjustment, you know. It was adjustment when I leave here, you know. Certain things were certain ways, and uh, you know when I came back. Unfortunately, some things remains the same, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, true. It's sad to say, and my outlook and my thinking, you know, kind of bump heads with a few people here or there, but you know, <laughs> I still, I'm still standing. I'm still, I still have belief in, you know. You could always, uh, there's always opportunity to learn. You know, every day there could always be an opportunity to learn and open-minded. And, you know, we are definitely wish that a lot of Bahamians would think this way. And there's change. You have a, my belief is you have to change in order to be successful and move forward. Yeah. You always change. So you have to adjust. Yeah. You know, change is constant. So I've adjusted from several times. So coming back and going into the employment field and working 10 years in the industry, I wouldn't really care to discuss, but <laughs> working for, you know, 10 years in the industry, working for some of the main employers on the island and, right. uh, you know, consistently making adjustment from one one job to another and <clears throat> while working, still working full time right. in, the, in the business, assisting my wife uh, whenever I can, whenever I'm free and whenever I'm off. So, uh, so, so how was it then? The Okay, because... Your story is the same. I would, even though it's different with the basketball and traveling and so on and so forth. But when coming back here, you you find yourself, like you say, moving from job to job, trying to trying to adjust again. So when she came to you and say, "Hey, let's start it. Let's start this business." How? What was going through your mind? Did you think that you know what? Based on what's happening right now, like I've already done it. Let me just let's just do this. Like, and why I'm asking you that? Did you have any formal business training? Uh, yes, I could say I did because, okay. you know, uh, going back to when, uh, I re- I represented myself, uh, during my first couple of years of my career in basketball, I had an agent that represented me and okay. it just seems like I was always getting swing, you know, <laughs> term, you know that the behaviors use or somebody is hustling you, you know, yeah. I was paying this guy 20% of my earnings and he was finding me jobs. Mind you, there were still good jobs, but I was like, Hey. I have the the internet, I have smartphones, I have contacts, I have a lot of friends that played in the basically in the in the field that we are in. Right. You know, because once you go to one country or one region and play, people tend to know you and you know, you just develop a lot of contacts and stuff, just like it is with any business. So for the last nine years of my career, nine and a half years or so, I represented myself. Okay. You know, so that I kind of was like an agent, and I also helped other players get jobs. So, you know, I would do it just for free. You know, I didn't really think that I should be charging somebody because sometimes some of the jobs were paying very low salaries, but, yeah. you know, it was a foot in the door. So, yeah. with that being said, uh, basically, I got been in business for basically almost like 10 years. 10 years, just doing so that, right. Transition to another business and another opportunity. I just seen it as another opportunity for me. And, you know, you have to start up and then be. Start from the bottom, be consistently growing, growing, and we are consistently growing today. So I just keep an open mind about it. So, you know, I was able to fairly make an easy adjustment from being uh, in the basketball realm, right. doing that, and traveling around to doing the same thing. It's just, it, it has a good correlation. You probably don't see it, but to me, it's the same thing. Like, 
I'm right now I'm representing myself and my family and our business. That's the same yeah. thing I did when I did basketball, you know. Yeah. I'm representing myself and my family and our business and uh I definitely committed into it and putting whatever I can into it to make sure it's successful. All right. So what I'm hearing then, um are you the main advertiser or marketer for Chick Chinese Farms or you want to do most of the things? Because it seems like you said it's just using your smartphone and using that opportunity to get your word out and tell people. Are you the one who comes up with the things or is it a joint venture between both of you? Yeah, it's a joint venture. Of course, you know, we sit down and uh, we have also all other persons that work along with us. So we uh, kind of bounce ideas off each other and uh, we do a lot of the marketing and advertising. And, right, uh, right. We do have some other employers and stuff. So we we just try to get use the power of the internet and social media to do the advertising. Of course, a lot of our customers do it for us. Right, we work through. That is uh, true. You know, that is very true. Here to the store, we have our clientele that are have been with us from day one, and they're steadily advertising for us in groups on Facebook pages. If persons are asking about stuff, uh, if other persons are coming to us, and you know, sometimes they send their friends a word about works efficiently well very well so you know that's uh that's basically one of our right. advertising you know, that's why it's, we are always focused on delivering a good quality product because we don't know you know who this person is going to tell or who they're going to tell or where it's going to go or where it's going to end up so exactly yeah very much uh strict with that of course with our employees also so you know we kind of have a hands-on experience with everything but we word of mouth is probably one of our good our best uh, advertisers as we always and consistently deliver a good quality product. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question because I always I like to talk to people about um, there's a formula that we use, myself and my wife, when it comes to doing business. And I have to ask, have you guys heard of Robert Kiyosaki? You ever heard of him before? Uh, yes. The name sounds familiar, but yes, okay. I have. Yes, I have. So he wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it became a bestseller for a while. And another book he wrote called The B.I. Triangle. There was something I read inside of that, and I did not understand it uh, for a number of years. But I was able to break it apart, and it made so much sense when you look at a business. So just to draw this uh, picture for you, he takes a business, and he puts it in a diagram that is actually more like a triangle. So uh, with this triangle, at the top of it, it has... Um, a product, right? And and from the product, you therefore you therefore um, look at your product or service mainly. And from that, then you have other things beneath this triangle where you have um, your 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 legal part of it. Okay. And then you also have your marketing, and then you have cash flow at the bottom. And outside of it, you have other things going on with that. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions based on this thing. Because it's very, very interesting. So, the reason why the triangle is at the top, I mean, the product pretty much is, is at the top. Um, Robert Kiyosaki says that um, the product is the least part of a business. So, most persons would put the product at the bottom. But the reason why he says is that you could take any product and run a business around it. Okay. And then he talks about the legal part. So I'm going to break this apart really quickly. The legal part is pretty much having your business license. Do you have a lawyer? Do you have anything like that to cover yourself as a company? How you form your company? Things like that. You work that part with the legal part of it. <coughs> then he has this, the systems. And systems is something that a lot of people, I find a lot of businesses do not have. 
what's the system to make your product or deliver your service? Like you say, you build um, relationships first. That's a part of your system, the way you do it. The time you open up, the time you close, how you deal with your customs, all that becomes a system because you do the same thing over and over again. And then, of course, communications, like you were saying, Aaron, is like using your phone for social media, marketing, putting things out there, and just always having conversations with your customers and your clients. And then lastly, cash flow. Cash flow is at the bottom because, um, according to Robert Kiyosaki, it's the the basis of all business. Like you have to know the cash flow coming in, what happens with it in the business and when it leaves the business. And if you don't maintain your money or your cash flow, it's like blood. If you don't have blood, it's, your business is going to die. It's going to die. And on the outside of it, the triangle, you have team, leadership, and mission. And again, that took me a while to actually understand that. Um, first of all, he starts at the bottom where he says the mission. Like, what is your mission for your business? And you stick to this mission because now you have a goal to head towards. So everyone from the owners to the employee should know the mission of the business. And so you know when a customer walks in there, I'm going to execute this mission in order to get a part of this done. And then, of course, you have the leadership, which is usually the business owners. Like, they lead the team and the company in a certain direction. And then, of course, your team would be um, everyone in your company. So when I fully understood this and I started to look at other businesses, whether they're successful or they're failing, something is always missing. If something is missing, your business will fall apart. If you have everything in there and you start getting that to a point, your business will be super successful. And this is something I've looked at a whole lot. And I can say I've broken this apart because I didn't understand it for the first few years when I saw this. So I'm going to run through some things with this for you. Your mission. What is the mission of Chick Charity Farms? Why are you in business besides just selling produce and to make money? Because some people just like to say, oh, I just want to make some money. What is your mission? Definitely more than just making money. You know, even initially when we started, we we wanted to make sure that people were eating local. That was first. So making sure that people are eating local and eating healthy was two two things that we always looked at. We wanted right. to infiltrate the Bohemian society with local food because there was so much stuff being imported. And even right now, uh, and, and this is 2019, our food import bill is over $1 billion for the wow. country. For a very small country. <laughs> yes, okay? we are. So our goal was to get people eating local. We wanted to spread, like we wanted it to be infectious, like eat yeah. local yeah, yeah. we wanted this thing to run like blood tree your veins like you want to because if we knew that if people eat local of course we get to sell more products farmers would be empowered because i never saw my grand one thing i saw my grandfather never do was make money as a farmer and as an entrepreneur i wanted to change that okay because i grew up in a farming family but i wanted him to succeed so much at making money at doing something that he loved you know why not make money and do something that you love at the same time and of course share with other people right. how to transform lives at the same time so we really wanted people eating local aaron understood this when i said it it was always a passion it was something that i that was that's our goal that's our mission that's something we get up every day to do we share the message of local um you know to, pe to people coming even foreigners coming to the bahamas that right. you know local is better and people are understanding the message of local now so we're happy that you know we have been executing that from day one and we're still doing that today good so you guys have a a mission and plan and you're heading towards it because you're still offering really awesome foods really good products um local like you say local and seasonal fruits and, and things like that so i think you guys are really good with that so the team and leadership part, I guess because you guys are the team and you do both lead each other. Yes. 
and Bill and the together. So how do you work together? Because we don't we very rarely find um, couples in the same business. So is this like something where you have to um, separate home life from business life, or is it all intermixed? Or how do you work back and forth dealing with children, running the business, and other things like that? And um, I think a lot of persons might need to hear this because it's it's very rare to find a husband and wife doing a business together in the Bahamas. They usually do their own thing separately. So how do you guys deal with that? Oh, boy. <laughs> that's a sigh. Uh, that's a sigh. It's it's it isn't easy. It's difficult. I mean, uh, well, we do have kids and we have our daily routine and our lives to live. But our our teenage son, he helps along with the business. He's seventeen. He's uh, basically been growing and learning right. the same time as us. So he comes in uh, a lot and helps us here on the ground at Nassau by you know. Working at the store, he worked several of the pop-up markets and stuff where we had him out west. And, you know, even the clientele is real familiar with him. So he gives them a good service and uh, he's familiar with all the products. So that definitely helps. And uh, it's just, uh, it's a bit challenging at times. But we are <laughs> consistently focused on achieving our goals, you know, because we have persons that are depending on us daily to eat you know that's a that's a that's thing. a reason to get up every morning yeah that's a serious thing that's a serious uh a serious thing once you uh think about it you know and once these persons are already sent through their orders or sent an email or whatsapp you know as we are here we are answering emails and social medias and you know we have certain stuff that's a hot commodity or we have products that are very popular and persons and especially clientele that's been with us for years they expect to get it you know so they would send us emails sometimes i mean at any time of night or and we have to deliver you know right, our, right. Name. our name is our name having a good name is better than money you know and our name is very important when we hear when people hear chick Johnny farms like you say okay wow well man i get usually every year i get good sour sauce from them i get uh -huh. plums oh they are one of the few persons on island who i know have joan plums or and they have a nice store. They have good, you know. We wanted to, we want to have a positive effect when people hear our company name. So, we are. It's challenging, but uh, overall, I think through all of our ups and downs, we are pretty much focused daily, even on our off days, on you know delivering a good quality product. And so it's just by having by having that mission in place. Yeah, knowing that's our, why that's our mission because we both we we both have worked in fields where we have to do basically assessments on certain things. So right, we have right. an eye of attention and detail. So we are pretty much strict on that, and uh, we have been doing extremely well so far on delivering uh, and staying focused on our goals. Awesome. So let's jump into the triangle part of this. And um, let's start from the top. What services, products do you offer? What do you have? Because we, we know the local fruits. We know you guys have to farm. But you, I've seen a whole lot more inside the store. So, <laughs> <laughs> some things you don't grow. So how, how does this work? What, what all do you guys offer? We are very diverse in our um, offering. Um, when people ask us, what, do you, what is Chick Channing Farms? Yeah. I always say that we are a local farm. 
We are a farm-to-table store, which means that we sell products that comes from the farm. doesn't only have to be fruits or vegetables. It can also be the value-added um, products as well. Right. And then I also say to them, well, we train people to you know, use their hands to make candles, soaps, body products. And, of course, they are derived from – they are plant-based. Yes. And derived from fruits or vegetable as well. You know, we have done um, lots of jams and jelly, so we do preservatives. And we have also done – like. We've seen a growing demand for ice cream. And okay. when we first launched our ice cream um one year ago, we were we went we went on a trip and I and I had an amazing sour sub ice cream. And I said, I wanna make a sour sub ice cream. I was pregnant and I was really craving it at the time. <laughs> and so I attempted it and my family loved it. And then we started giving samples at our market. Like we we were known for pop-up markets and lots of companies are now coming to us and say, Hey, can you guys do a pop-up and offer, you know, something fresh? And of course our freshly brewed teas. So we always look for an opportunity to turn that product that is either derived from the farm into another product of value added product uh, right. maybe a jam a jelly a sauce a banana bread you know a potato bread you know it may be an ice cream and so when you come into the store you find that we take one product one potato and we turn it into several different products um you take <laughs> one banana and you turn it into several different products today we have banana cinnamon buns banana mm. ice cream you know banana muffins banana bread so you, you we're not limited you know and honestly being an entrepreneur allows you to maximize your creativity. Yes. If I go today and I think of something and, you know, being the owners of the company and working in the company, the only person I consult sometimes is Aaron. Sometimes I just <laughs> sometimes. tell him, Aaron, I'm going to do this. And he's like, Shivari, you're going to do what you're going to do anyhow, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. He, and I'm, you know, it, he says that so often. I'm like, I know what he's going to say. I know he's going to say, you're going to do it anyhow, you know? And I do it anyhow, but sometimes I say, okay, well, that's a good move. And then, you know, I'm also open. To, he's my biggest critic. And, I, you know, I, I appreciate that about him. He's like, well, okay, Shivari, well, I think you should try this and also he's always sending me ideas right. like he's always the one that's doing the research and be like he sends it either by whatsapp or facebook or whatever and i'm like okay you're the research person and i'm the maker because right, I, people right. always say, well how do you do all this and i'm like i'm always busy i'm always either making something and so i'm always like 99 of my day multitasking except when i'm asleep and i'm a very heavy dreamer so i never feel like i'm asleep yeah this is always up there. Yeah. So you have a guy, you guys have a lot of products, but it's good that, like you say, everything derives from the farm. Yeah. So you take it and just you make something different into that. So that's the basis of your products. Now, in doing business in the Bahamas here, um, what legalities you had to run through besides just getting your business license or forming your company? Is it as a, a limited liability? Is it um, owned solely, a sole loan uh, proprietorship? Like, the legal aspect of it here in the Bahamas, what was what works best for you? Well, at the moment, we are still a sole proprietorship. We will transition to um, a legal liability company because of the demand. Initially, it was okay if you're just doing little deliveries and stuff. But when you get into doing stuff for companies and right. on that yeah. level, then the entire landscape of your business has to now change to accommodate, you know, um, you know, the type of business you're now engaging in. So when we have um, mega corporations or companies calling us and asking us to, to, to put our products or our services in their business as a part of their uh, business, it 
now changes the legal landscape of what our business will look like. So we are now transitioning to a legal liability company simply because of the, the um, companies that we are currently engaging in and have asked us to engage in either our product or service for them. So we are changing um, the way that our, co- our company operates. It's fine operating just, you know, little deliveries to home yeah. and building relationship and that. But now you're talking about dealing with, you know, um, mega companies, that kind of thing. So it changes everything. And you learn this in business as well. You know, today you may start up as a sole proprietorship. Tomorrow you may be a legal liability company, yep. you know, depending on, you know, whatever the landscape of your business is at How's the time. I think you have to learn what works best for you because initially I know you by, by paper, people always want to get it right. Well, okay, I'm going to go do the incorporation. And then you spend thousands of dollars to win incorporations, but you incorporate and you won't make your first dollar. Exactly. First dollar yet, exactly. You know, and it takes you, you years of yes, time to get to the, to the state where you need to be a legal liability company, you know, or we're not a partnership, but we're married, you know, being married or whatever, you know, and I always said to him, I said, well, Aaron, you know, you build this company from ground up with me. I ain't gonna just leave you right there. I gotta, you know, we're gonna ride it out. Regardless of what it is, regardless of what yeah. comes, you know, if we were, if today or tomorrow, for some reason, anything would happen, and if I, if something was to happen to me, I trust Aaron enough to carry on the company, and I think the same is with him. Um, but uh, like I said, we are transitioning now to a legal liability company because a limited liability company because of the, the because of the the landscape of our business is changing in that we're getting more demand from corporate companies that are asking us to put now the products that we make because they take them to their homes. And these are the same people that own these companies and they're saying, wow, this is great. Maybe we could sell this at our store, that kind yeah. of thing. So it changes everything. So on the same vein of legalities, because insurance and stuff comes into that, how, and I'm always nervous because I spoke to some other businesses who uh, deal with food. When dealing with food, to me, I'm nervous a bit because I'm always wondering um, people with allergies, how do they, how do you deal with that? Do you let them know like this product has nuts inside of it? And people have so much sensitive allergies these days. <clears throat> it's so rare. So how do you deal with that part as well? Is that something that I've always, I always wanted to get into food business, but because of that, I'm kind of timid. So how do you deal with that? So you would have to definitely put a disclaimer on your product that, hey, definitely. it's going to be made in an environment with nuts so that it now becomes the consumer's um, choice if they want to buy this or not. Because you safeguard yourself or your business, yourself and your business, by simply you know putting it on the packaging, putting it on the disclaimer, hey, this was made in an environment where nuts are used, that kind of thing. you know, Because people have all kinds of allergies. came into a lady the other day that has a mustard allergy, wow. which was very you know unusual. <laughs> very. You know? And I'm like, wow, you know, so you have to protect yourself. And honestly, um, I think the Bahamas is now moving where they have the Bureau of Standards coming on stream like full force, you know, and we really need these kinds of entities to help to teach us and train us because we are now going into like we are starting the Bahamas is at the start of a manufacturing. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Okay. Thank you for saying it. I keep on telling people you got to realize we are at a stage right now. We're a growing country. Yes. And and the rules and regulations that are being put in, the laws are being in place, are, are helping businesses to grow. Yes. But we are still young. Yes. So I'm glad that you recognize yeah, that. Yeah, so we need that. a company. We need mm-hmm. the, you know, the, we need an agency that will hold the hand of entrepreneurs or yes. small companies that are starting to now. Like we we are now we can be considered a manufacturing company and, and so the same with you because you now manufacture you put together exactly. ingredients to make a product yes. which is manufacturing of a product and so because we are at that you know that infancy stage of manufacturing as a country I'm happy to know that the Bahamas Bureau of Standards is now available so if you need information you can call them and say hey I, I need to know how to label this they will send someone from their team yes to help you out and I believe right. that you know entrepreneurs should take advantage of that so early in the game because it's, when you have it when you get it you 
you get it, you might as well just do it right from the beginning. Yeah. Anything to add on that, Aaron? Uh no, not much. I agree with her. She says it all. Uh, 100%. I agree with a lot that she's saying, but you know, a lot of persons also. And as for <clears throat> farmers in general, you know, we just need to take advantage of what we have here. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of business opportunities for farmers or persons to become farmers and entrepreneurs, you know. I know, uh, like, we have discussions sometimes, so, you know, a lot of persons train their kids to say, hey, Go out there and get a good hotel job. Or yeah, government yeah, job. yeah. Right. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. To each his own. But with the amount of tourists that we have coming to this country and the other opportunities, as we are a growing country, and there's still a lot of things that a lot of hurdles we have to cross. Yes, things that we have to get accustomed to. There's also an opportunity for entrepreneurs to step in and fill that gap, you know, and become owners, become uh, employers, help empower others, help empower themselves as we do. And as we are hire our family members and we do work along with other farmers, like we have sea salt from Inagua, we've bought uh, pineapples and stuff from Eleuthera, we work along with other farmers to <coughs> bring their goods to market. Yeah. So they have, you know, an abundance of stuff, you know, we help basically bring their products to market, you know, it does, it does work, uh, sometimes it does, sometimes it don't, you know, and it's a little bit difficulty working with Bahamians in this field, but uh, for a lot of young people that are out there that might be listening or might be, you know, kind of confused about getting into farming or interested in it, there it isn't hard. It isn't just hard manual labor. There are so many different things that you can do in sense of being in the business, and again, and there are a lot of opportunity uh, for entrepreneurs to get in, into this type of business. I think you said something quite interesting because um, <clears throat> I find that um, how can I word this? It's to the point that we said working with local farmers and other farmers that help bring in produce. And there are some people who understand it off the top and they jump on it. And then there are others who, like you say, don't recognize the opportunity. Whereas you're a distribution channel. If I'm a farmer and I'm having problems selling my, my produce and I see another channel open up, that's an opportunity to get your product out. But, you know, um, it's it's slowly growing. I find that it's slowly growing where you find companies start to link together and they find some common ground, um, even for us, because we have other companies that sell our stuff. So and they came to us. You know, we didn't go looking for it. Like you mentioned before, Chivar, you said, you know, people will call you and ask you questions and they ask for it. And so, OK, we, we set it out there. So you have to be open mind again, like you mentioned, you have to have an open mind, um, weigh the pros and cons and then make a decision on it, which I see you guys are doing really, really awesome. So, in the middle of this thing, we're talking about systems. And, again, this is where I find a lot of businesses fall down because they don't have a system of doing things. Like, how do you have you guys put together systems from from farming or seeding, put, putting the seed down to, to harvesting, to getting it to Nassau, to getting it in the store, to advertising, marketing, um, even to the point of drop-offs of monies and things like that. Do you work with systems or is it like a daily thing? Like we just figuring this out. How do you guys work? Uh, no, we work in, uh, we have a very, very thorough systematic approach that we basically have developed and learned over the years from through uh, trial and error. As you know, of course, when you're dealing with certain persons and certain businesses and clientele, uh, 
information and different stuff is very yeah. confidential and very private. And uh, <clears throat> we definitely uh, respect and uh, we definitely have a very secure and uh, systematic approach of dealing with with, with everything from delivery drop-offs to dealing with monies to dealing with picking up of stuff to dealing with stuff as simple as going to the mailbox and delivering something that needs to be sent off. Yeah. Of course, we have to make sure that everything is packaged up properly. Yes. Labeled <laughs> in a nice, clean box. Cold storage. Cold storage. You have to, you know, as simple as just writing cooler and dry goods on the box. Nobody wants to get frozen lettuce. Yeah. Frozen <laughs> right. So, you know, Unfortunately, some persons, uh, they won't pay as much attention as we do. And, you know, just being in a hurry or just because of a lack of physical attitude, might take it and just throw, throw it, it in. in. Yeah. This person that's looking forward to their fresh produce in Exuma goes up to the dock and pick up their supposedly cold storage box. They find it on dry pallet. Oh, it's full of mush. So, yeah. Uh, through trial and error, we've learned and we definitely are very, very th- thorough with all of our delivery practices, the way that we harvest stuff. Of course, food miles is very important. Uh, how we package up stuff coming from Andrews, how persons that we deal with that deliver our stuff, more, most likely most of the time it's our family, our family members, our cousins and our aunts and our grandparents that work on the farm. So we right. have a very thorough and systematic approach to make sure that everything is delivered safely, everything is delivered uh in a good condition, and uh, the clientele gets this product that basically what they're paying for, get a good quality product that they're paying for. So, yes, a very systematic. Very, very systematic. We, we, we learned this now. This ain't just happened overnight now. Right. So, we would mix up. We were doing things backwards for at least. We're like, well, why didn't we think of this sooner? You know, like, you find ways to work around this, you know? And it, we, we learned, like, having a systematic, even down, excuse me, even down to our packaging and making sure that they represent what we wanted to represent. You know, some people are very sensitive about the um, uh, the environment. They do not want plastics at all. No yes, yes. Not even plastic containers. Yes. They're very sensitive. And so, they said, oh, just put it all in there. There's no need for plastic. Right. You know, and so we had to learn that and remember that, okay, yeah. this client doesn't do plastic. Right. So we had to make so, a mental yeah. note of that, you know, because they would remind you once or twice, but no one wants to continuously be reminding you like, okay, no, plastics you know that kind of thing yeah we had to learn over a period of time and then to know your clientele is very important because you need to know who you're dealing with and if you are dealing with local fresh i mean it only makes sense to do you know try be as plastic free as possible that kind of thing yeah so yeah billing systems yeah okay you guys hear that was to run your store, I mean, you got to have a system down. Probably like you mentioned before, your, your family members to help you a whole lot in packaging just to get it here. And then when you're shipping out, so which is good. And again, um, this is like a business school right now for a lot of people. I like, know they're learning a whole lot from you guys. So communications, Aaron, we talked a lot about using the, the mobile device. And, you know, we, we like social media is like the thing nowadays. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, Twitter, Snapchat, like. People, everyone has a personal device. They don't even call them phones anymore. They're now known as personal device. And so you can now reach them directly. Um, how have you guys find your, your, your marketing, your communications here in the Bahamas? Like, which are you able to track how much people are following, which is one thing I like about Facebook and Instagram. You know, your followers and then, you know, ones who follow you the most and they respond the most likes and so on and so forth. And even when you're advertising your pop-ups, um events 
You know, you can advertise online and get information out there. And of course, we still have traditional media in the Bahamas. We still have newspaper and radio and TV and things like that. What have you found when it comes to communicating your mission to the Bahamas and to your your clientele? How have you guys been working with that? How has it been? Is it easy for you? Because a lot of people seem to have problems. Like, how do you uh, work yeah, with Yeah, I mean, like I say, uh, that also has been a learning process for us. We, uh, as we are speaking right now, we, we are on our phones. And, you know, it's very <laughs> important because today, everything, people want instant gratification. Yes. Instant gratification, yes. for instance. Uh, as I'm talking to you right now, this, we have a clientele that's just asking about Joan Plums. And I'm right. able to go here on my phone and I'm able to multitask and give a, a very quick response within 30 seconds of saying, hey, unfortunately, we don't have those in stock right now. Right. We advise you or usually we post the items on the page and we do videos and stuff to keep people informed of what we have in the store just about every other day or so. Right. So we are constantly on our phones and we've gotten good feedback. We work the Facebook uh, <clears throat> along with Instagram. Uh, some people feel comfortable communicating by WhatsApp or email you know we are constantly working each one of these uh social platforms these uh communication uh, platforms that we can communicate with our clientele uh effectively and it's consistently growing to where more more persons are mm -hmm. going towards social media you know some of the traditional forms of communication are kind of archaic you know they are not very efficient for us yes we have been doing advertising on the news and uh, the newspaper outlets and stuff like that. But now, nowadays, persons want instant access, especially yeah. the young, younger generation. They want to be able to send you a WhatsApp message or even call you. Yeah, I know exactly. They want to be able to ask, say, hey, I'm coming from somewhere. Do you guys have uh, guava duff at the store? Right. You can answer them right away and they can make the decision on where they're going to come or where they're going to purchase it or where they can look at different options. You know, persons just want instant gratification and we find out that through the social media forms, especially even Instagram. Yeah. Instagram is very, very effective for us. And, you know, persons can see what we have there. Instagram TV, they just want that instant gratification. And I think <clears throat> in a whole, the more and more business-minded uh, professionals or more and more business-minded person entrepreneurs utilize these uh, social media platforms, they definitely be very, very, uh, very, very successful as... Shavara indicated earlier, uh, when she first started out, he had, how many? 21 followers. <laughs> and now we have, uh, through all of our social media platforms, including email and stuff, we must have a reach of about uh, 25,000 persons. Right. All to the Bahamas. Size. But we have shipped to San Salvador, Inagua, uh Exoma, Avoco, we have persons that we can contact through WhatsApp. We can actually take them, send them photos of their items to see that, hey, you know, we uh, this is what we're sending. This is what we have in stock. Right. This is what we are shipping to you. This is what you ordered. You get exact, you know, real-time information that they can utilize, uh, you know, and they can make their decisions on right. what they have to do. I'll say, hey, thank you. This is perfect. This is what we wanted, you know, so that's very, very important that we're able to communicate effectively and sometimes very, very comfortably with some of our clientele through uh, the social media platforms that's available to us today. 
Yeah, I find that a lot of people, especially when dealing with small business, um, they utilize social media. And this is something that we talked on, um, I think it's episode seven, seven and three. We talked about social media. We live in a world where people, um, it may be 10 o'clock at night and you just come across their mind, you know, and they send a message to you literally at 10, 11 at night. And like you say, they want an answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they, they want yes, an answer. Yes. We have our uh, times and stuff like that, but of course, person say, "Hey, if they want, they see something." For instance, a guy, uh, somebody came in here yesterday and say, "Oh, I saw y'all had some hog plums," and they just popped up and came to the store. It might not right. show up on their time at a certain time, but they was expected to come here. So, if they wanted to, they send us a message at ten thirty at night. Uh, even if you open the message, it sees that you saw the message. Yeah. So. If they see that you saw the message and you don't answer, it makes them feel, you know. Ah, exactly. (laughs) Persons do, unfortunately, persons do want that instant access. And you being a small business, you don't want to mess up an opportunity. Right. Or you don't want somebody to be bashing your business in a negative way to say, oh, I sent a person asking. Oh, you didn't answer me. Eight hours later. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, we we know our people and we know how... uh, Behaviors can be difficult to deal with at times, but we definitely try to uh, respond to all messages and information and stuff like that at any given time as right. we possibly can right. to, you know, advise the clientele that uh, their choices or the decisions to help them to make a decision as soon as possible can, and it's beneficial to us to also on the other end. Yeah, so social media, like I said, I, I think it's very important for small businesses to really get into social media and know how um, each platform works. Um, to learn that Facebook is a little bit different from Instagram, even though it's owned by the same company, even using WhatsApp, um, statuses for marketing, having be able to talk to people directly, you know, so the communication is always getting out your mission and your products and what you're doing to your, your customer, your clientele. And, um, I think it's Seth Godin. He, he made a quite interesting statement when he said, um, it was it Seth. I think it was Seth. Anyway, the concept was that. People like us do things like this. And this is how you build a community so that people who come to your, your, your company, they, they looking for something specific. They want that fresh produce. They want, like you say, that banana bread or that, that, uh, banana and, and, uh, muffin or whatever it is that they want. Just your ice cream. People like us do that. And so they feel like I know you, you know me. You become really good friends. Like you say, putting people first. And that's how communication works. So when it comes to dealing with social media, like I say, I think it's episode three or four. We talked about social media. Um, and it's the same thing they're, they're saying here again. Put people first, even in social media marketing. Answer them. They want to know because they people somehow feel as if you're my friend. You know, they would see you. They've never met you. Yeah. But the first day they see you, they feel as if they know you. I think what it is, is they feel like it's a safe space. You know, especially if you are seen in the media. I always tell people, if no one knows you're there, then no one is going to come to you. Right. The community, and when you say community... But because of the internet, we've become a, the world has become so small. Yes. Okay. And so now you're in communities and it's important for you to be visible and people feel as if they're your friend because they feel like they can reach you. The fact that they can reach you or touch you and touching you through social media, you know, it affirms to them that you are their friend and they want to say, Hey friend, do you have (laughs) X, Y, or Z? Exactly. Don't meet them and they know your name. They're going to say, Hey Shavara. Yeah. Hey Aaron, how's the baby? Do you have blah, 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 blah blah you know and so it is a sense of community it is a sense of um 
people feeling that you're within their reach, which is important, especially in business. People need to feel as if you're within their reach. As Aaron mentioned, if it, it, it kind of helps them to make that decision. When they message you on your business page or your cell phone or whatever, um, you know, they say, hey, guys, do you have X, Y, and Z? They are looking for something to fill their specific need. However, they come, they made the decision to come to you first. That's why you get that message at 2 a.m. They say, you know what? I want to support my friend. But if my friend don't have it, I'm prepared to go elsewhere. So they want to come to you first and say, hey, do you have this? If you don't have it, they may opt for something else as well as they may say, well, okay, let me know when you have it and I'll come. That kind of thing. So they want to feel that connection first they want to know that they can come to you as a friend for whatever product service whatever um and then they want a instant response to help them make that decision immediate decision if they should continue to come in your direction or they should go somewhere else good good really really good response in that so lastly of this uh bi triangle and cash flow oh boy this is where our businesses fall down. People like to take from the kitty. They like to take out the cash register. Doesn't pay attention to their monies. When you, especially when you have overhead to deal with, you have stock to replenish, you have products to try out. You, it's ah, there's so much. There's so much. How can you sum up for persons out there getting started in business, persons who are in business, how to manage their money? What 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 advice can you give them? Well, uh. Yeah, cash flow is basically the backbone of a business. If you don't have it, you're not going to be successful. You got to have it basically daily as everything. I mean, everything. And it seems that whenever you're in business, persons have this assumption that you always have money. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. They, 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 you always have money. And of course, with being in business, unfortunately, in our small country, the prices for items tends to fluctuate. So, you know, you always got to have that cash on hand because it's it's a key point. You know, you could have a good weekend. Say, for instance, you could have a good Friday and Saturday. You make, just randomly speaking, $1,500. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can go out and party. And have fun and with have that. Fun. Exactly. Uh, you close on Sunday, but, you know, your business is going to open on Monday and you don't need to replenish the stock. Which there we go. $1,400. There we go. Because of the climate and because of whoever knows whatever factors could kick in. And if you don't have that $1,400 to replenish your store or your or to take it to another clientele or to even get another product to take to a client, that could be very, very detrimental to your business as of uh, customer satisfaction. Or you could have told somebody, say, hey, I'm going to deliver to these items to you Monday. But in hindsight, you wasn't thinking about, you know, all the other factors that you have to put in to get the product to them right. on Monday. And that can be, you know, could cause a bad name. That can give your company a bad reputation and that could cause mm-hmm. a decline in your business. So you always have to bear in mind that, hey, and it does take a business several years to get to the point to where you're successful. So you always got to have cash on hands. Plus, you know. In the Bahamas, we know that there's a lot of persons that don't take credit cards, they don't take debit. That's another thing. They want their money up front. Yes. They don't want to hear nothing. They feel like if you come in for their product, hey, this is $700. You better have $700 cash because you're a businessman. You have an operating business. We need to have the $700 before you get my items. And unfortunately, that's just the way it works. So uh, you always got to have that cash flow on hand, always, all times. Even when you see them, like it's very successful and you could splurge a little bit you got to be thinking in hindsight or thinking about the future that hey what, if what, I if, need this what are the, the business, other factors yeah. what if this happened what if this happened so you know her and i we 
Try to keep a little something. Try to keep it. Always <laughs> try to keep something on hand. Plus, you got to have a flow to, you know, you, it's always a factor. But it, it was always, always also learning, you know, like Aaron said, it was learn lots of learning. <clears throat> that was involved in, in you know, um, business and having a cash flow, et cetera. Um, lots of learning. It's been a learning curve. But, I, I, you know, one of the things I really want to see as we talk about business, because we've run into issues where, you know, funds were low and we didn't want to do, even when it came to expansion. When you expand or go yeah. from a mobile business to a storefront, that's hello, a that's a huge difference. <laughs> Did you? Did you account for the light? Did you account for the air condition? Did you uh, account for the, the space that you're renting or leasing right. or whatever? Did you account for, you know, um, if what if the refrigeration breaks out? All of this stuff. So one of the things I really want to talk about, like, if they're, like, in our climate, because we are such a small country, mm-hmm. I think there should be more access to small business grants, right. small business investment. Because trust me, small business entrepreneurs get into lots of cash flow issues. Yes. We've been there times. Yeah. Aaron may not be want to be as transparent, but we've been there several times, okay? And boy, I don't know if it was prayers or just ingenuity or creativity or innovation that brought us out, right. you know? Um, and that was one of the reasons why we started doing the training because we needed more cash. How do right. you make more cash? Yeah. Okay, well, let's teach people how to do what we do, that kind of thing. And so that is one of the things that you can use to innovate and to help to bring in more cash so that you can expand or offer another product. Right. Everything from packaging, everything from the pen that you use, everything from the receipt book yes. has a cost, has you a know? Cost and honestly, we learned this as we go. <laughs> you know, there was no blueprint. Remember we talked about that? No one taught us how to do business. I think we may be, right. Aaron and I together may be, you know, from our immediate family, the only two business owners, if you look at his family, my family, right. in the family per se, that has gone to the point where you move from an entrepreneur. Because then you move from entrepreneurship, you're still an entrepreneur because you get to create. Right. But, to business ownership where you now have employees, you now have a store, you have all the overhead, blah, 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 blah. So if there was only a way that, you know, that there were in this, in our, in the Bahamas, there was access to more funding for small business entrepreneurs, yeah, yeah. not just saying it or putting it on paper, putting it in the newspaper, but where people who can really get into a crisis can go somewhere for help to keep their business alive. Because small businesses are known to be the heart of a biz of, um, you know, like the, the driving force of an economy. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, there needs to be a lot more investment in small businesses. And that's where all the creativity lies right. and all of the creative entrepreneurs emerge from that space. Yeah. Because then when you, like you say, um, being so creative, especially in a small country, what happens is your country begins to grow because as you come with new ideas, um, you bring new things to the, to the table, especially in the country. So it, it causes manufacturers because let's say, um, for you, you have to, you have a farm and plus you have a storefront. So somewhere in between, you're going to need somehow to transport. Who's going to deal with the transport? Because right now we have the, the mail boat. We also have planes. But what if there's some way you can get it at a lower cost? Yeah. This, this is, is where, where another business, business has yeah, a like chance to get it. Someone come and do my pickup and See? do my delivery right now. There you go. I'd be quite content and happy with that. Like if there was a service that I could subscribe to uh-huh. and say, well, okay, for every delivery, we would charge you three dollars and i can pass it on to my clients like hey okay guys you can get delivery we charge right now for delivery we didn't do that until our fourth year of business right we charge a (laughs) 3.99 delivery fee so that 3.99 now that we charge for delivery we can stay in our store work both of us you know because i'm sure as time progresses it's going to be much more busy we can hire and train someone because when you hire people you still have to train them they have to speak the language that you speak in their business you know yes so that it is duplicated and um so that is very important. And so we had a company that would be prepared to um, 
if we had a company that was prepared to do our deliveries for us, that would be great. Yeah. That would be awesome, you know? So, so there's need. And and you and I think behemoths need to start thinking, you know, way, yeah. what need can I meet that the yeah. market needs? What? How can I get into the marketplace by providing a need, a service that is needed or yeah. a product that is needed? Right. Okay? And that's something that people tend to miss out. Um, that's like business to business. We're always looking for business to customer. Yes. But there's always business to business things you can actually get. And how can I help this business succeed? If I start a business, like you say, a delivery service or something like that. And, you know, because we had the same thought. Like, man, I have to drive here and drive there to drop this thing off. When I got to just have someone, hey, come pick up in the morning, make deliveries this day. And I could just pass that on. Like, that is really good idea. I don't know why no one has done why do you think Uber is so successful? Exactly. You get that? You go, you order Uber Eats. Someone, you know, a friend of mine was so funny. A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to her and she lives in Canada. She said, my sister, my sister was hungry and she couldn't get out to get lunch. So I ordered her food on Uber. Now she lived in one end of Canada. Her sister <laughs> lived on the other. And her sister said, she looks down the driveway because they were on a hill. And here comes a guy that parks his bike. <laughs> at the bottom of the hill and walks up with her lunch, you know, through Uber Eats. Like, you need people to fill in the gap. And we're, I think we're missing that whole thing, you know, um, in the country. We need people to fill in the gap, okay? Yeah. So, uh, as opposed to mimicking someone else's business and doing exactly, exactly what they're doing, like, yeah. how can I fill a need and find a niche in the market that will help me to create a successful business? Right. And that's where, where you become the creative part of being an entrepreneur, where you see these things and you make a decision to say, you know what, um, I see a niche right here. I see uh, something is falling apart. Let me let me fill that need. All right. So we've covered, like I said, the BI triangle. You guys, like this is like business school right now. You guys, we're talking to a lot of persons. I know they're really going to appreciate this. So I want you to go over again. Talk to me about Chick Chani Farms. Tell me again the products that you have. Where can we find you? Give us some numbers. Give us uh, uh, email accounts, Instagram accounts, whatever. Tell me, give me some information for the persons out there trying to find out more about Chick Chani. Okay. So for persons that want to know more about Chick Chani, I said to you earlier in our conversation, we focus mostly on local fruits, um, local products, anything from jam, sauces, jellies, ice cream, um, traditionally baked breads, all of that stuff. So when... Anything that says local says Chick Charney Farms. And I just recently said to Aaron, I said, Aaron, I think I want to change our slogan from um, local and bohemian to um, local, seasonal, and bohemian because you uh, know, it says so much about yes. what we do. You know, anything that has to do with local people know that if they're looking for June plum or they're looking for hog plum or they're looking for dilly or they're looking for tamarind, Call Chick Chani. They, I know one pe person who may have it. Call Chick Chani. So we want to be known for that, you know. And um, we have lots of social media. Um, so we're on Instagram as Chick Chani Farms. We're on Facebook as Chick Chani Farms. We are. We have our own website. So it's www.chickcharneyfarm.com. Um, we have. We're also on YouTube, and we're going to be uploading more stuff to that. We are blogging, so we are teaching good, people good. a lot awesome. about Bahamian and our culture through our blogs. Uh, we just recently wrote a blog about bush teas and you know it's benefits awesome. so people can go and read now about bush teas oh what do I need to use 21 gun salute for you know <laughs> and that's how we continuously connect to our clientele we also reach them through um, direct mark email marketing so we have like a list of persons who subscribe to our email newsletter every week and of course we share your like, beneficial information uh, this week we're going to be talking about you know um, how to secure your property and um, uh, how to secure your garden as of ah. like if a hurricane is coming what should I do you know because people that's are true. concerned 
about That's every true. component of their, you know, of their environment or, or where they live or their home. And so um, we do have the social media. We are telephone contacts. Aaron, you can reach Aaron at 814-9948. You can reach Shavara at 828-9927. Um, did I miss anything, Aaron? Uh no, pretty much. Coming, uh, <laughs> location. Also, you tell them about the location. Location is 153 Montreal <laughs> Avenue. Uh, you could also text or call us. Can, we can send you a pen to find our location. Uh, Mount Royal and uh, Mount Rose sound alike, but we know people get the uh, two street mixed up, but it's in the Palmdale area. And you could just give us a call. We will gladly uh, give you directions and show you exactly where to come and there is a map located on the facebook page that will direct you right to the store and also erin we are also now on airbnb for experiences so we want uh you know if you want to come in and experience our tea tour or our candle making or whatever we have listed two experiences now on airbnb and we've already started receiving bookings we are new to airbnb and ironically today um the 28th of august 2019, we're being featured in the Nassau Guardian. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Talking about, you know, us being on the Airbnb platform. So we are looking to a growing community. We're looking to incorporate more visitors coming to the Bahamas, those that stay at Airbnbs, (laughs) as a part of, you know, uh, what we offer here at Chick Charney Farms. Basically, a taste of the Bahamas so they can, you know, have that as their experience when coming here. People travel for different reasons. We do hope that when they travel, they come and visit us here at Chick Charney Farms. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was very interesting to see that, you know, uh, some things that Bahamians take for granted, of course, you know, with tourism being a big, big part of our economy that persons here would love and enjoy. Like we had, uh, Shabao spoke earlier about the tours that we've had. We've had people that have drank our soursop tea, just as soursop, soursop leaf tea, you know, as we growing up, we grew this, uh, we drank it, and a lot of people take it for granted, but it has a lot of medicinal benefits, and both of the persons that drank the tea they are doctors and nurses so they were talking about the medicinal benefits and stuff and they loved it enjoy it they bought packaged teas to take back to their family and their friends back home and they were all the way from chicago and from uh, upstate new york the albany area so you know that's a story that they can tell about the bahamas that's something a great a lifetime experience that they could share with their friends and share with others to say that hey this is what they have to offer in the bahamas the bahamas just isn't you know this, that, or something else. You it's know, not you just sunshine and sea. Yes, you know, and we, ecotourism is a multi-billion-dollar product. You know, we have so much more to offer here in the Bahamas. And like I was saying earlier, it's also an opportunity for entrepreneurs and other islands and different places and stuff to get a piece of the pie. And you know, think outside the box. Always have an open mind because there are a lot of opportunities here for Bahamians to empower themselves and empower others. And why not go for it? No exactly. risk. No reward. Exactly, exactly. Guys, this has been so awesome. I mean, this is like business school 101 here, but doing business in the Bahamas. Um, we have a, that's just a whole wealth of knowledge you guys got just spewed out on us. And I really, really, really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners are going to appreciate it as well. So, okay, ladies and gentlemen, um, I would like to thank you for tuning into this podcast and doing business in the Bahamas. I would like to thank our guests, Shavara and Aaron of Chick Chani Charms for being here today and imparting their journey in business. And as always, a friendly reminder that this podcast is sponsored by Bahamas Candle and Soap for all your candle and soap making supplies, handmade soaps, unpoured soy waxes, um, candles, you have gifts, mind and body boxes, and other private label offerings. And again, I want to say thank you to our listeners and feel free to leave a comment on the podcast. You can recommend someone you know who has a small business and is making it and doing business here in the Bahamas. We look forward from hearing you. Be sure to just subscribe to our blog for updates 
and uh, especially the next episodes is going to be coming up. So before we go, both of you, if you can, one piece of advice you would give for budding entrepreneurs or persons in business here in the Bahamas, what would that be? No risk, no reward. And I can always say believe in yourself because it's difficult. It isn't as easy as it sounds or as easy as it seems. Uh, it'd be ups and downs. It, it's, it's a roller coaster, but I think that once you have your mind set up and once you are determined to be successful and most importantly, you have to put in the time, it's, it isn't a nine to five job. We basically work uh, <clears throat> sometimes 16-hour days. It might sound crazy, but uh, we work 16-hour days. And the product, most of all, you have to have a good quality product. If you don't have a quality product, you won't have returning customers. You won't get good word of mouth. And eventually, your business will probably crumble. So just yes. focus on you know providing a good product, uh, developing friendships with clientele like we have been in business, I think, this November makes six years. This October makes six years. And we have up clients from day one that we still service. And, Amazing. Uh, awesome. They're still clientele and they still rave about our products. So it's can't be focused on the money or focus on the prestige or focus on saying, hey, I'm a business owner. You have to stay focused on delivering a good quality product. And I think eventually, with time and patience and a lot of perseverance, you will be successful. All right, Shavar, anything? Well, for me, I'm very spiritual. So I always say, you know, um, put God first in anything yes, that you absolutely. do. That is important, you know, because really, as an entrepreneur, as you take that leap and as you take that step, you definitely need going to need a lot of guidance. And if you do, uh, you know, if you have that spiritual connection, I find that that is very important to keep you grounded, you know, so right, that, not, right. you, that you stay focused, that you put your blinders on and you're not distracted or, you know, by things that are going on around you and you can stay focused on your goal. Yeah. So, you know, I would just encourage people, you know, along with what Aaron said, just put God first. And I think everything else will work out. Even if you were to fail, you know, you would have already attempted it. So there's never failure. I always tell people you never fail, you learn. And so learning for me is more important than failing. Awesome. Yeah. All right, again, thanks for being on. And I wish you all with all the best. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. So see you guys later on doing business in the Bahamas.